I think that what I learned is like, as I was being more vulnerable with the fact that I had gone through a divorce, with the fact that I had hit rock bottom, with the fact that I had to take a step back from like what career trajectory I thought I was on because I knew I couldn't sustain it. People were like, oh, like, okay, there's more to this than what meets the eye. Welcome to NPS I Love You, a podcast powered by Catalyst. I'm your host, Ben Wynn, and this show is all about awesome people, ideas, and stories, all with a customer success twist. On NPS I Love You, I talk to everyone, from artists to scientists, CEOs to CSMs, and everyone in between, to give you powerful insights that will help you in your career and in life. Sydney Strader is the head of customer success at Catalyst. She grew up in the small town of Renfrew, Ontario with her six siblings before moving to Toronto and starting her career in customer success. She eventually became VP of customer success at Envision before joining the Catalyst team, but she faced a number of major personal and professional challenges along the way. In this episode, Sid and I discuss the power of vulnerability and authenticity at work and how it shaped the person she is today. The first time that you and I really sat down to meet and chat, and I feel like everyone who meets you gets this vibe where within about five minutes, they feel like they've known you for like 30 years. And you just seem like that person (laughs) that you instantly kind of understand and get right away. And I think we're going to dig into that a little bit more, but it's just one of those things that I really love about you. And I want to know if that's something that surprises you. Have you heard that before? Like, is that... Uh, Well, thank you. First off, I think that, yep, I have heard it before, but I wouldn't say that was always me. I think with age, time and experience, I have evolved into perhaps like taking down some walls and some barriers that I had pre-existing that probably came from a lot of insecurities or, you know, just kind of not knowing my place or having the confidence in myself. And I think that like over time, and I'm sure we will get into it, that has evolved. And I'm happy to hear that like an output of that is that people feel confident, uh, you know, like leaning into a conversation with me and, and that the walls come down and it feels like, you know, for friends catching up that we've, we've been friends forever. That, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. So to start off with, because you've just taken on this head of CS role at Catalyst, which is super exciting. There's also a lot of pressure, obviously, because we have we are a CS company and you're doing CS at a CS company. So double standard for sure. Uh, so to start things off, I wanted to ask you what an opinion is that you hold about customer success that other people in your profession might disagree with? Ooh, um, that's a good one. I think that One of the most contested ones is around renewals. And so I am of the point of view and perspective that CSMs should not be responsible for the commercial components of a renewal. So the actual negotiation, discussion, you know, uh, seeking out the paperwork, signing the contracts, et cetera. I am a big advocate that CSMs uh, and the customer success function as a whole, Mm -hmm. while very much their inputs drive the outcome of a renewal, the responsibility of actually closing the renewal and the contractual requirements associated with that is not the most conducive use of their time. It compromises the relationship that they've built as a trusted advisor to the customer and it blurs the line. And it also like feeds into the, you know, CSM do 5 million things and be great at it all, uh, which is like not the reality of how we as humans operate. And if And I swear that we're not going to be talking about CS strategies this whole podcast, but because this is often a common follow-up to is because I agree with you uh, about CSMs not being 100% owners of the entire process around renewing the contract, the financials, all of that. But should they still be getting commission on renewals and upsells and expansions? 
I think that absolutely right, because you've got to keep CSMs motivated. The renewal in and of itself and a customer continuing to invest and expand their investment is an indication of a CSM doing their job incredibly well. They have helped customer realize the value that they have initially purchased the tool for, and they have helped identify opportunities to expand the value that a customer can obtain. I agree. People do what they're paid to do, right? Like at the end uh, of the day, it's the, you can be the most wonderful person in the world and you can instruct your team to do one thing but if their compensation doesn't reflect that it's not going to happen magic can happen with compensation alignment structures with it's true. surprisingly yeah. people people yeah. like money <laughs> who knew it's amazing i know <laughs> who i know knew? the human motivators so what we do want to dig further into today i mean i love that answer to the start to what people might disagree with. I think there'll be a lot of interesting debate on that. But I am excited to dig in today into our main theme, which is on vulnerability and authenticity, um, which are two words I definitely associate with you. So why is vulnerability so important for customer success professionals? Yeah, and I think it's like beyond customer success professionals. It's anyone, right? Like you can sure. be, you know, in CS, you can be in product, you know, you can be the CEO, listen to Ed, you know, his podcast last week and the vulnerability and the outcome that came from that, which is like this relatability to Edward, because, you know, whether it's the empathy for something you've never experienced that you feel for him and what he was able to share, or like the respect and admiration that you have from his vulnerability and the strength that it took him to, you know, show that and kind of give a look under the hood and go like, I have emotions i have feelings almost lost my brother literally like had to call a company meeting and say like no metric talk and let's just like talk about feelings and emotions and what we're going through i mean yeah that is incredibly powerful so i think like vulnerability is ultimately what is the driver of our ability to connect and you know the more vulnerable uh you are the more comfortable others feel around you and i think that that provides a lot of safe space and i think trust comes from vulnerability and trust is something i think we all seek and want in in those that we work with and those that we have relationships with whether inside or outside of work um so i think that that ultimately is why vulnerability is key is like the trust that comes as an output of that vulnerability uh allows for walls to be broken down. And when there's that trust, there's the inherent, like, I can tell you things. Yeah. Uh, and it's communication that ultimately drives outcomes. And the lack of communication that causes like the misdirection of the outcomes you're trying to achieve, which ultimately leads to frustration and friction. And then it's kind of like this absolutely vicious circle. So by being vulnerable, you build the trust. By building the trust, you improve the communication. Through improved communication, you drive the outcomes. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone feels really good when you're in it to win it together. I'm going to copyright that right now. I'm going to call this maybe the vulnerability or the the feelings flywheel. I've always loved a good alliteration, but I feel like what you just outlined is a really fantastic example of that, how <laughs> yeah. um, each of these things kind of leads to the next and allows for for that successful relationship to blossom and, and grow over time. It sounds like you've always been pretty authentic at work, as you were just saying, but when did the vulnerability piece start kicking in? When did that kind of sort of click for you? I think it was by virtue of the role. When I got into management positions, got into more senior leadership positions, the one thing I struggled with was what felt like just this innate distance between myself and team by virtue of like my title. And so 
it didn't make me feel good. Uh, in fact, I hated it. I was like, oh my gosh, like I was your peer before. Like I'm still the same old Sid. Like we're having fun. This is great. We're going to crush it. <laughs> um, and I was all of a sudden like, why does it feel like there's just like a wall that came up between us? And I think that as I dug into it and I spoke with the team and I expressed my discomfort with the feeling of like the lack of vulnerability people were willing to give me now by virtue of like my new title, my new role, my responsibilities, that it made things harder for me. And what I realized through those conversations, if like in order to get, I'm going to need to give, right. and I'm going to need to reestablish trust in the capacity of my new role and responsibilities, irrespective of the trust that I had built as a peer or as a friend in, in previous roles. Right. And so that was something that was like a really big learning lesson for me is like the more that I, you know, took down my own walls and shared my insecurities and shared, you know, the experiences that I had, the easier it was for people to go back to the flywheel to trust, right? To relate, to know that like I had best interests. And, you know, there's often this like sentiment that I've gotten from other folks of like, Sid, you always look like you've got your shit together. That was actually, I was mentoring <laughs> someone the other day. I was like, well, let me tell you what is not the truth. Sid having your shit together all day, every day. Look being the operative word. <laughs> Exactly. I was like, hell freaking no. And I remember like, you know, when I stepped into my role uh, at Envision, my first management role, so I was originally a CSM, then then was promoted into to management. Um, there was this perception of like, Sid, you know, just always crushes. She always gets it. Right. Like, there's no like hiccups. There's no like, this seems straightforward. And I was like, oh my God, that could not be further from the truth. Mm -hmm. And what I had to share was like my own personal experiences to help them really understand that it wasn't just me going like, oh no, like that's not the case. Yes, it is. Like it wasn't. And I think like one of the big experiences that I had and could relate to folks was around like balance and burnout and like learning about myself through really, really tough times when my life like started crumbling, uh, you know, was going through a divorce. I've been married for five years in a relationship for 15. So basically like a best friend capacity relationship. We were going our separate ways and that was incredibly challenging to like accept that and acknowledge it as much as I very much at the core knew that that was the right thing for both of us. Right. But what I did to like grieve and process was to throw myself into work. And it just became like this very unhealthy relationship. Like I just, it was comfort. Work has always been comfort. I care deeply about right. the work that I do. And it's like an easy outlet for me to grasp and yeah. also see the outcomes of my inputs. So you just have this like snowball effect of like put more in, get more out. Great, 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 great. And it's so mm -hmm. totally suppressed all of the struggles that I was having, I really wasn't processing any of like the realities of like this 15 year relationship coming to an end. And so, you know, months go by, months go by. I'm, you know, in this management position, I'm absolutely loving it. And it just like wow. my ability to take care of myself just dissipated. <laughs> like I was not eating well, I was not sleeping well, there was no balance. I was just like work, 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 work. And in many ways, it, on the surface, it felt great until I was in New York City and I was in a meeting. And all I can describe it as is like when your iPhone battery is at like 20 percent oh and then all of a sudden like you do nothing. It's at like 5 percent. And you're just like, zoop, like I lost all feeling in my hands, lost feeling in my legs, like my whole entire body. And I was just like, oh, my God, like what the hell is this? Like, you know, like I must have a bug. And then it just seemed different. Like it didn't seem like a bug. It didn't seem like a flu. Um, ultimately going to the hospital and they've got an IV in my arm and they're running a gazillion tests and they yeah. go like, 
are you stressed? And I was like, <laughs> maybe a little. And I'm like the, the attitude that you kind of said of like sit up, eat and posture. Like I was like, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's fair to say like, I could probably be stressed. Like I sleep <laughs> oh on average, God. like four or five hours a night, like really aren't taking care of myself. Like haven't processed the fact that I'm getting a divorce and like, you know, my life's crumbling on that front wow. work for sure. At least like 70 hours a week. And they're like, yeah. The only reason you're in here getting tests done with an IV in your arm is because right. you have zero boundaries. And this is in no one's fault but your own. Like if you need to like you basically yeah. need to fix yourself and you need to like learn from this. And if you want to have a brighter future, like you've got to do something differently. And, you know, that was the wake up call. That was like rock bottom doesn't get worse than this. And I really had to look inward mm -hmm. because the doctor was right. I had no one to blame but myself. Like I did what I knew, which was to like push forward uh, and push forward. Didn't mean feeling, didn't mean emotions, didn't mean processing. Yeah. You know, when you think of like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs of like food, water, like shelter, it's like, and therapy. Therapy became absolutely instrumental for me to build off of that like rock bottom state and really like go deep and start evaluating myself. And that was like the most critical eight months of my life, quite frankly, in terms of transformation of like challenging myself to truly find balance, to truly take care of myself. And then super fortunate that, you know, Envision then allowed me to, to seek a management opportunity. But all that to be said, and that's just like the very quick version, like mm -hmm. so much more happened in that time frame where people think like Sid's just been great. She's just like promotion after promotion after promotion. It's like, no, like in many ways I did the career suicide thing of like take a step back from a management role to go into a IC role to fix myself and take care of myself and build a foundation for myself to then put myself in the best position to accelerate in other areas. And so I think that what I learned is like, as I was being more vulnerable with the fact that I had gone through a divorce, with the fact that I had hit rock bottom, with the fact that I had to take a step back from like what career trajectory I thought I was on because I knew I couldn't sustain it. People were like, oh, like, okay, there's more to this than what meets the eye. And like, Sid does have feelings and Sid does have emotions and Sid has had to go through some challenges. And right. that allowed me to be able to relate to folks a lot more and for them to be vulnerable. Like Sid, I feel like I'm burning out. And like, you've expressed to me that like you burnt out once, like, what did it feel like to you? What did you do differently? I know you got to rock bottom. I don't want right. to get to rock bottom. What would I, should I do differently? And I, you know, it gives us something to be able to chat through and, mm -hmm. and to find a deeper connection beyond the surface of like, I'm in this role and you're in that role. You know, what does that scope mean? Definitely. So what was your strategy? I mean, to, so it sounds like after that, you kind of realized it was very important, obviously, to set boundaries, but you also started seeing some of the benefits of that vulnerability at work. Was there a particular strategy that you kind of went in with and were just like, hey, this is me, like, you know, and, and we can chat about this? Yeah, I think um, there was never any like strategy or, or thought into it other than just like me knowing that like, in order to build deeper relationships with folks and to kind of remove the stigma, like, especially when I got to envision and I was promoted into like the VP of CS role, like the stigma was just accelerated, like, right. Oh, Sid's a VP now. Like, you know, we can't relate. And so like, it was one joining team meetings, um, two and taking the time to meet with folks one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. Like I had a 45 person, you know, team globally distributed. It was taking the time. It was on calls, quite frankly, like early in the morning with folks in Europe and late at night in Australia and balancing that out over a couple of weeks to go like, look, I genuinely care about your success, but I will tell you something. 
in order for me to make you successful, I need to know information. <laughs> like that's the reality. The worst thing I can do is be in this VP role without context, without something to be able to relate to you on, without knowing like the true challenges that you're facing professionally, personally within this environment. Mm -hmm. And with having that information, I can do significantly more in my role than if I make assumptions as to what I think I'm helping you solve for. And I think just being really open and honest with folks to share with them, like my interests are your best interests ultimately. But I need information in order to do that effectively, assumptions are going to be incredibly dangerous for both of us. So I think that first of all, it was like making the time Two was communicating it. Like I need this. I want this. What can I do to help make you feel comfortable and safe to be able to share that? And no, like, you know, a lot of folks have unfortunately had tough experiences in the past where they were vulnerable and that like somehow backfired and and then they're damaged by it and then they're insecure about it and then they're like it's safer not to say anything and that is the most dangerous thing at all so it's also like acknowledging that like if you've had those experiences know that that's not me that's not how i operate and this is what you'll get from sid and so i think just like that piece is really important and then when they do show vulnerability recognizing right i appreciate that you were super vulnerable with me there and because you were vulnerable here's what i can do to help and i think that that just like you know builds on it and then the last piece is like the act on it as they see necessary for the support that they need from you and i think that that then shows like sid cares to make the time sid cares, you know, because she said that this is what she needs in order to best support me. Sid recognizes me and makes me feel good and and tries to build my confidence in the value and importance of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And, you know, fourthly, she'll act on it and she will do what she says she's going to do. And for that reason, I then trust her. So I think like that's been the approach, you know, whether within vision is a fully remote environment, we're basically all in the remote environment. So it was like zoom calls. My preference uh, is actually like in person, you know, I, Adam fluid, if we did fun on one-on-ones, uh, once a quarter, you call them fun on ones. Yeah. Fun, fun, fun on ones. Exactly. (laughs) Play Brown took me to do Beyonce choreography. That was so like the whole premise was like, do something that like, who cares what Sid can do or is capable of, or like, not like do something that is so you and Sid's tagging along and it's going to be fun. Uh, and we're just like going to make fools of ourselves. And Clay took me to Beyonce choreography. I cannot dance (laughs) to save my life. He could tell you what a, horrible disaster I was but like it was those moments that you build a more meaningful relationship and the at the end of the day there's also like this big stigma of like you can't be friends with the people that you work with like screw that I'm here <laughs> to have a good time no you have, no, you have to be miserable friends. every day exactly. yeah you have to be miserable every day you cannot like them yeah if I think earlier on in my career I think I very much abided by that which was like you have to have this balance between like the wall you put up of who you are at mm-hmm. work and who you are outside of work. <laughs> and I'm just like, Why? really? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm more fun outside of work than I am in work, you know, if there's that blocker. So I think that over time I got confident, you know, breaking that down and not like succumbing to, the, yeah. you know, the cultural expectations of like, you're different in the office than you are outside of the office. And from that, I felt mm-hmm. the positive effects of more meaningful relationships with the team that I worked with. It didn't matter in what capacity. And at that point, I realized like I care a hell of a lot more about having these relationships and these friendships than I do meeting someone's stigma expectations yeah. of like, Sid, you're you're too you at work. And like, <laughs> I think at that point, it was like off to the races. I was like, see ya never going to live up to that expectation. If you're putting on airs when you're at work, it's like you then have to live up to that every day. Like it's just, it's bad for everyone. And I think that 
the more it's little by little, right? It's, you know, it's small things about, okay, if I say this, or if I reveal this about myself, or if I, you know, talk a little bit about this at work, you know, it's received positively. And then the more of that you do, it's kind of each one is a signal towards just kind of being completely authentic. And it's one of those things where everyone kind of realizes, wait, like, we're all pretending like where everyone's here's trying to be fancy everyone here's trying to sound smart like and not do that like is that an option because that's the place that I want to <laughs> yeah, work exactly and I mean even even so we were my partner's a photographer we were shooting all weekend and in the fashion space it's very very pretentious right like shoots are like like oh fancy like you know whatever and everyone feels like they have to put on these airs and be a you know personality like that mm-hmm. it's always been so important to us like we just want everyone to have a good time on the shoot like if you can be yourself yeah. the model's going to be most relaxed and going to look the most beautiful you know the team will want to come back and work with you more the results are going to be better you'll move more efficiently yeah and I just think that's something that's so important and and needed in in that space but in, in every space and it's one of the things I've seen more and more in tech that I hope as a is a trend that continues yeah yeah, I completely agree. And it's like, you want to be proud of what you do. And, and mm-hmm. what you do in the outcomes of that is like being you, right? Yeah. And that's another big thing that I think, you know, when you talk about vulnerability, like, lack of vulnerability, I think comes from a lot of insecurities, whether it's insecurities of just like, you know, we all have insecurities, and they've been formed from a young age. And what's one of yours? Oh, one of my insecurities. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, I'm putting you to the test. Yeah. I mean, I think like my one of my biggest insecurities, like I'll let people down. And I think like it's just something that I don't do well with, like completely insecure that I won't be capable of doing something. Mm. Uh, and as a virtue of that, letting someone down, especially like, you know, if I think in my career, there have been a lot of people who have taken bets on me. Like Ed's taking a bet on me right now. The Catalyst <laughs> team is taking a bet on me right yeah. now, right? And I think what my biggest insecurity is like, I will let someone down, mm. people down who have gone out of their way to give me a chance. Right. And I also think like that insecurity channeled in the right direction is incredibly powerful because it gives me the energy and the focus day in, day out to go like, I will not let someone down. I'm going to be incredibly disciplined about where I focus, the impact that I'm going to have. And it's like, once you lock that in, that vision, it's all about the execution. Being authentic and vulnerable with customers is, so with colleagues is one thing, with customers is, is another. In my last role, uh, my last company, when I was in, in customer success, it was funny because there were two of us uh, sort of leading CS and my approach was very like, hey, let's follow each other on Instagram. How are your kids? Let's go out for dinner. Like it was like, <laughs> yeah. I, I was like maybe not the most organized, but I was definitely the most like, like, I'm just going to hang out with you like a human. Fun, charismatic human. Yeah. Which was, I'm play, play to my, my strengths, right? Like that's what I'm good at. The other stuff, yep. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll get by. But then my counterpart, she was incredible on the organization. She came from consulting. So she was like, incredible in all the ways that I was weak. Yeah. We both got results. So I think there's a way to do both that can work extremely well. And we can each, we, we each learned a lot from each other. Yeah. So curious to know kind of what your approach is, what your thoughts are on, you know, is there how, how authentic and vulnerable or how vulnerable to get with customers? How do you build that sort of relationship with customers? Yeah. I mean, I think you nailed it, right? You play to your strengths at the end of the day, like we all have our strengths. We all have our weaknesses. And in so many ways, again, if you think of like, if I think of how I was raised and, you know, just like the culture that I ultimately, you know, uh, was exposed to when I seek like, right. you know, my kind of my professional stage of my career, it was all about like, 
round yourself out. Like the weaknesses, the weaknesses, the we, we focus more on the weaknesses than we do on the strengths. And I think that that's when you're looking to surround yourself with a team or right. to build out a team. If you're in a management or leadership position, that's a key criteria is make sure people do not have the same strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that everyone has their secret sauce. And I think if you look at the catalyst team, like that's a really great example, right? Like what you bring to the table in terms of like, you know, your focus on relationship building and your creativity is a very unique attribute and add to the skill set of other incredibly remarkable folks at on the catalyst team who can all make up for my weaknesses well it's, <laughs> we can all make up for my weaknesses i mean that's the reality and so when yeah. you surround yourself we all cover for each other <laughs> i suppose exactly you can get so much further faster like the reality is you probably can't and probably shouldn't aspire to be the best at everything because the, i think that's just like a an old way of thinking in many ways. It's like, no, find what's most meaningful to you. Find what's purposeful to you. I guarantee your strength is rooted in that and lean the crap in your strength. Like I suspect that if we were to ask you, relationship building has been part of you since the day you were born and it has only been accelerated further and further because for you, it's like based on the purpose and the meaning that you get from it. And Mm -hmm. because of that, you've accelerated a strength that, means something and gives you purpose and makes you feel good at the end of the day, irrespective of what other shit show may have unfolded. And I think the reality is everyone has that. It's about like that authenticity piece and to go like, what is the best day that I've ever had? What was it about that best day? And how can I replicate that and not be insecure about it or lack vulnerability in sharing that, owning that, leaning into that? I think that's a really important point because I think for, I feel like you probably went through a similar thing, but for myself, I always was like, okay, this is what I'm really good at. So let me focus on the things that I'm not good at. Yeah. Right. Like I know I can build relationships. So now I should focus on, you know, being really fast at doing complex stuff in Excel. Cause that's something that like I struggle with, Yeah. but like, no, that's not how I'm going to go farther, faster and be a, a stronger, you know, a member of the company. I'm going to get farther, faster, and I'm going to be a bigger help to the, those around me and a happier person by capitalizing on the things that I'm very good at and going further into that instead of just trying to hedge my bets by doing all these other skills and trying to make up for my weaknesses. A hundred percent. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that like, when you strike that as like your North Star, like fun starts to happen. And I think that, you know, people are always asking me about, you know, am I good enough to go to another company? Will they see, you know, what I see or have I just built this reputation within the confines of this one company? And it's just like, go in with the point of view, go in with the perspective, go in with what you kick ass and take names at and stop <laughs> at nothing to say that's what they need. Like, I mean, like, you know, lean into that crap. Um, so I think that that's like, just again, an insecurity that a lot of folks have of like, am I valuable? Am I worth it? I guarantee you that if you have the confidence behind that secret thing, special thing that you do, and you find the companies that truly are in need of that, which there are plenty, Mm -hmm. like you will see magic happen when you can strike the right balance of your strengths and their needs and the impact that you can have when those two are brought together. Definitely. That's where the magic happens. What's some advice that you would give to folks at companies who want to be more authentic and want to be vulnerable, but maybe just aren't feeling that comfortable with it yet? So the question I always ask myself is like, what do I want to be remembered for? 
as a leader, as a peer, as a colleague, as a member of this team? What does that look like as a friend? And start there. And I think that once you lock in that vision, it's amazing the downstream implications that has on how you think and how you show up day in and day out. And if you want to be remembered by someone who is, you know, honest and trustworthy and respected, well, what does it take in order for that to happen? Mm -hmm. And it you'll find quickly, it starts with being authentic. It starts with being vulnerable. It starts with, you know, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And I think that particularly when you are, you know, young in your career, Mm -hmm. everything feels uncomfortable. But I always like to try and talk myself into thinking that like, embrace the discomfort, because that means it's not familiar. Mm -hmm. And the lack of familiarity means you're going to grow. Like I pushed myself, I challenged myself, I saw the outcomes of that. So that would be my advice, you know, when it comes to authenticity and vulnerability, it's like, really make sure you're self aware. And you're thinking about like, what is it that I'm ultimately striving for bigger vision. And on the day to day, having that moment of like, how is this feeling? Is this feeling uncomfortable? Why is it feeling uncomfortable? And if it's because it's something you haven't done before, go after it versus shying away from it for fear because you will grow from that. And the more you grow, the more data points you have, the more data points you have, the more fine-tuned you are about like who you are, what you stand for, what makes you happy, what doesn't make you happy. And then it just becomes like the most positive snowball effect of like more data points, more data points. I know Sid, I'm learning Sid. Sid loves this, Sid hates this. And you can start optimizing your life for those things that truly make you happy, truly make you fulfilled, give you that like purpose and that drive. And that'll keep you humming. Amazing. I love that. Very quickly, last question I'm asking all of my guests. If you were hosting this podcast and you could pitch any sponsor you want and get an unlimited free supply of whatever they make or sell or do, what would you pick? Okay, so uh, I know that Patron's off the table because we covered that. (laughs) I took it. I stole that one. (laughs) So given we've got Patron, uh, the next option would be, no. Um, Okay, Smythe is like my go-to. They are two powerhouse female designers in Toronto who have made like the classiest blazers and it's just like the superwoman cape when you put it on you're just like nice i feel good it's amazing i may have a couple in a collection and one time i had a friend come over and she's like oh can i just try on one of these blazers that you always have and she's like oh my god no wonder you always (laughs) look like you're confident and a badass she's like it's this freaking suit jacket and i was like it is smythe is the secret weapon amazing i will have to give them a shout out on social when we post this (laughs) awesome thank you so much Sid. no thanks ben i appreciate it always was great chat with you thanks so much for listening if you like the show please leave us a review and share this podcast with a friend or two or 10 if you want to learn more about catalyst visit catalyst.io until next week i'm ben win and this was nps i love you p.s i love you <laughs>